Hello, and welcome to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the topic of the arts and the Christian faith. I'm Nate Mancini. I'm one of the founders of Forefront, and I am joined today by two excellent gentlemen, Sean O'Hare. Hey, guys. And a guest on the show, Dan Becker. Hello, hello. So today, we're going to be doing a very special episode. We're going to be talking about the band Switchfoot. And some of you may be familiar with Switchfoot, some not, some may be fans, uh, but we are doing this podcast because we, we are fans of Switchfoot. We wanted to have a conversation about it. But not only that, we think that Switchfoot is, is a band that represents a lot of uh, what it means to, to be a Christian and, and have a band. And so I think that the conversation that we have about Switchfoot will naturally uh, grow into a conversation about faith and art. Um, and I think that by, by having this specific thing to focus on, it'll actually uh, get us deeper into, into the things that really matter. So I'm excited. And it's also worth mentioning, Dan's been asking me to do this for like a year. So <laughs> He's been accumulating notes for a year too. Yep. Yes. Yeah. He came in here and he said he had six pages of notes. So <laughs> be ready. It's going to be a three hour long podcast. <laughs> We're looking forward to that. But some of you may be asking, what is Switchfoot? And I think there's no one better qualified to answer this than, than Dan Becker. So Dan, could you please just start off by telling us what is Switchfoot? Switchfoot is your favorite band growing up in youth group. Breach. And now it is your Christian mother's favorite secular band. Bold. Yeah. Sean? I can't top that, man. <laughs> that was, that's it. All right. And the podcast right there. <laughs> so I want to bump it to Sean here. When you think about Switchfoot, which was... Mm. As Dan says, your favorite band in youth group. Uh, what what does that mean to you? I mean, w- what is it about Switchfoot that is special or unique or has has meant something to you in your life? Well, I think actually, Dan, I'm just going to go off of what Dan was saying here because I think for a lot of us and perhaps people that are interested in like this conversation that we're having right now, they were very f- formative band for us. They helped kind of articulate a lot of the ideas that we were thinking through that were relevant culturally. And then also I think another piece of what you're saying is as what I was thinking about before is there's this degree to which they have changed and evolved as a band in a way that has stayed, um, has like really resonated with us as we've grown up, I think. Um, and also in a way that anybody coming to it at any point could relate to and, and latch on to. Cause they've um, been doing music since like 1997, right? Mm-hmm. It's good. I just that's in the notes. It's in the notes. You're right. (laughs) Um, And I I think there is something compelling about, especially as it relates to what we want to talk about here at Forefront, is this idea that like if you are younger and you like a band, I mean, I'll speak from personal experience. A a lot of the bands that I grew up listening to on like a lot of, you know, Christian radio stations and stuff like that, I'm very uninterested in listening to their music today. But I'm on the other hand, incredibly interested in everything that Switchfoot is doing. And if they're anywhere near here, I'm going to go see them. So I think there is an interesting conversation here about how they've evolved as well. And which makes them an interesting phenomenon, I guess, or group of people to think about and to talk about. Yeah. So Dan, when you think about your relation to Switchfoot, when you think about what, what it's meant to you, what's, what's special about the band? What has it meant for your, for your life? This is going to be a bold comment. Two bold comments. I know, right? In Straight row. out of the gate. Y'all can't handle it. <laughs> Switchfoot is the reason that I consider myself a lover of music. Mm. I have a very vivid memory of me being in fifth grade on a school bus. And uh, my buddy was sitting in the seat next to me. And he's like jamming out, right? He's got this blue Walkman CD player, really horrible headset as we all had in fifth grade. and But um, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> and, you need to uh, go back to those days. I know, right? I had a bright, I had a bright red one. Oh, <laughs> so it was like a Corvette to me. It was incredible. <laughs> um, but he's jamming out, and I look at him, and I said, what are you listening to, man? And I didn't really hear him. I thought he said, like, switch something. And I was like, oh, can I listen? He's like, yeah, and he hands me the headphones. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. Do you know which song it was? No, but I know what album it was. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the iconic part of this came in for me. I got home that day and I looked at my mom and I said, I need you to take me to the mall right now. She's like, why? And I'm like, we need to go to FYE and we need to pick up some CDs. And she's like, you don't even listen to music. What do you know? And I'm like, drive me to FYE. I'm sure I was not that. Like, like, I do now. (laughs) I'm sure it was not that. Like, Like classical music on the way over. I know, right? (laughs) We're playing oldies because that's what I listened to. You know, like, you know, she listened to uh, like back when Warm 101.3 only Mm -hmm. played oldies. And that's kind of what I grew up listening to. Actually, a quick question on that. Um, Did the things within the album, whatever song it was, um, with the elements within that uh, resonating with you because of the music that you had listened to, do you think? Or it's because it was so different? I think it was different. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the first time that I heard something that was not James Taylor. Okay. You know, not that there's anything wrong with James Taylor. You know, I love James Taylor. But Don't listen to this dad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All of our dads are going to be mad. So we drive to FYE and I walk into this store and Clark's like, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm looking for this band. It's like switch something. He's kind of like looking around. He's thinking, he's like switch foot. And I'm like, maybe like, I didn't even know. I wasn't confident in the answer. So he takes me over to the, uh, the S section of the alphabet. And he pulls out this, Switchfoot album. And it is just this iconic red cover with a gigantic fingerprint on it, mm-hmm. which is the cover art for their album, New Way to Be Human, yeah. um, which was their second album that came out in 1999. The Notes. <laughs> um, I listen to that thing nonstop every single day, I think for the rest of like my middle school career, right? <laughs> just like nonstop. And the thing for me is that Growing up in a Christian household where my dad was a pastor and I was growing up in the church, um, you know, I didn't really listen to the hits. Okay. Mm-hmm. So while everybody else was listening to Nirvana and Weezer, I was listening to James Taylor with my mom in the car. <laughs> but this album, for me, I heard things that reminded me of what everybody else was listening to. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially as you explore those first three albums, uh, Legend of Chin, New Way to Be Human, and Learning to Breathe, you hear Nirvana in that. You hear mm. Weezer in that. You hear all these like bands that were relevant in the late 90s to early 2000s. Yeah. So for me, all of a sudden, I felt like I was a part of what everybody else was experiencing. And from there, it was just a domino effect. And it completely opened my world up to all the other bands out there, all the other kinds of genre. Yeah. So, you said it really got you into music. Yeah. So, I mean, what was it about Switchfoot that did that? What was it? The, the music itself, the instrumentation, the, the, the tonalities of it. Was it the, the lyrics or was it the combination that was just something that was special that you just hadn't heard that before? Yeah. I mean, I was not a theologian in middle school. Um, so lyrically, you know, it's not, I, I wasn't really, hooking on to it as much at first. I think at first it was very basic. It was yeah. very much like this just sounds like stuff I've heard on the radio or I've heard other kids like singing in the halls. As I grew up, it became much more than that. As I grew up and I started understanding song lyrics and I started learning more about Christianity and life, right? Mm-hmm. Their songs meant so much more to me. Right. They have songs that helped me through like breakups yeah. or loves that Breach. never were. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and, like, so I think it started off very musically, just very physical, very music. This sounds like something I've heard on the radio. Yeah. And then as I grew up with them, it became much more personal with their lyrics. And I think what I was experiencing as a young Christian kid growing up in the church. Yeah. I think if I were to, to jump off that and, and talk about what, what switch was meant for me, it really flows from what what you're talking about. Whereas, you, you know, at first you came into it and, it and it just had this cool sound. It just hooked you. And then as you go on in life, you find so much depth there that you didn't even know was there at first. But as you go back and listen, you, you realize the lyrical depth and the ideas that they're talking about. And it actually becomes something, something more and something even better than it was before. And I think that's 
what Switchfoot is for me is it's a band where there's a there there that as you dig down and, and as you listen to their music and as you return to it later, that there's something there to be found, that it rewards thought and study and re-listening in a way that a lot of music does not, uh, particularly other music that just sounds cool, um, often does not. And, and Switchfoot does that. So, I mean, if I think about, uh, you know, you as the listener, you may not be a Switchfoot fan, but you probably know that as, as you listen to a lot of popular music, whether Christian or otherwise, there's just such a, a dearth of interesting topics that get covered <laughs> yeah, yeah. in it. I mean, so much music is just about kind of love generally, or maybe love in the sense of a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or it's about... Um, I don't know, kind of depression on a basic level or about a breakup or it's about uh, just like generally being like happy or like generally being cool. And I don't know there's just like not a lot of depth to most topics that get, get that get sung about in music that sounds cool. And Switchfoot music sounds cool, but the amount of topics they cover in their music is incredible. I was just listening to uh, Vice Versus today, selling yeah. the news. Talking yeah. about the news oh, yeah. cycle, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Commodification of news of the news cycle. Yeah, yeah it's like you hear that in uh, on the on the pop radio for sure. Yeah, and it's yeah. so it's so relevant today. Um, and I think like a lot of even their older music, as you listen to it now, you're like, man, this is actually just as or more relevant yeah. today than it yeah. was then. And and part of it is that ability to to think deeply and and to talk about things beyond just the basics. Um, and I think that that range that they have is is incredible, and I think it's it's kind of sad that that we can look at a lot of music and say like this doesn't really reward further study or this mm-hmm. this doesn't uh, returning to this isn't going to give me any new ideas, but every time I return to a switchfoot album, it actually does bring me new ideas and new perspective about the world today and where I'm at today um, and that's something special. I think the thing that offers that depth that you're talking about and that ability to return to it um, over and over again is the degree to which they are engaging within a musical tradition. Mm. Um, One of the things, I mean, what I was saying before about the fact that a lot of the other music in the same spaces that they were in that I was also listening to, um, the other music that I'm like kind of uninterested in listening to now, I think as you were talking and clarified to me, I think the reason that is is because those those other bands and the other music was trying to like start there. Like they were trying to start with themselves and they were moving forward perhaps. And they're like, they're creating our own sound, our own space or our own subjects that we're going to mess around with and talk mm-hmm. about. But if Switchfoot is like doing their own thing, but in a way that is informed by a tradition that you hear like elements of Nirvana or whatever the other bands you're, you're, you're mentioning that lends a, a depth to it. And obviously rock and roll is itself somewhat of an, a newer musical thing but you know even that is engaging with a with a deeper musical tradition so i think that is perhaps one of the reasons why there is that that returnability to that to that music yes. there's a ways in which it, it opens up and expands every time we return yeah. to it i think it's yeah. also really interesting that they started this whole thing in college john tells a story about i think he was like an accounting major or something like that and he dropped out of school to do this band mm. like you're college kids and I think back to when I was in college, all the stuff I thought I knew and I didn't. But I think that's what kind of amazes me is like you go back and you listen to these. Like for me, I was listening to these first three albums earlier today and I had the lyrics pulled up. I know the lyrics, but I like kind of reading along as I like listening to it. Yeah. And there's a song off of new way to be human called company car. Yeah. Right. And that's this. the one you were you were uh, listening to in the bus, right? You're like riding the bus, right. listening to Company Car. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Company bus. No, get it. Company bus. <laughs> um, you know, and it's credible because it's about this guy like kind of losing his soul, but achieving worldly things, and they put it in the perspective yeah. of his job, right? Yeah. You know, he's got that company car now, right? Now he's made it, and they made that when they were like in their early twenties mm-hmm. and me as a 28 year old, who's now like working at a corporate environment. I look back at that and I'm like, that's still relevant. They made that song in 
99. Yeah. And that's still relevant in 2020. And there's not a lot of bands that can do that. And I love what you said about you can always go back to Switchfoot. Yeah. And it's kind of like no matter what album, there are a couple songs on there, if not the entire album, that are still so relevant. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So you talked about your love for that particular album, New Way to Be Human. Is yep. that your favorite Switchfoot album? I hate I hate getting asked this question. <laughs> it's like asking like which child is your favorite. Um, so I knew you were going to ask me that question. And so I looked through all of the albums and I picked my favorite songs off the albums. He's creating his own album. You created your own album. (laughs) (laughs) Created my own album. You burned a CD with all of your favorite songs. (laughs) (laughs) The interesting thing that I found was that going through all of the albums, we have an album that came out in 2005 called Nothing Is Sound. Yes. And I had five songs on that album that I said were my favorite Switchfoot songs. Yep. Every other album only had like three or four. So that's yep. the default winner. So right statistically speaking, <laughs> I think I have to go with Nothing Is Sound. I'm not sure yeah. if I'm married to that answer, but I have data now. So. <laughs> okay. Well, before I go to Sean, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. say, I'm going to go ahead and commit to that answer myself. Okay. Because Nothing Is Sound is my favorite Switchfoot okay. album. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, the reason is not, not just like you say, there are just some great songs on it that are some of their best, but as you look at their discography, uh, that album, I feel like is like their most mature album, which is strange given that it's fairly old at this point. You would think that, you no, know, maybe mm-hmm. some of the later stuff would start to mature. But I think if you look back at it, it's like, my goodness, like the topics that they cover on that album, uh, the depth into which they go. Uh, it's, it is an album that takes the world very seriously yeah. in a way that a lot of their albums don't. Um, and I think that's to its, to its credit. It feels, I think a lot of times like the Psalmist lamenting and crying out to God, it's like nothing is sound is literally saying that nothing is sound in, in the world that we're living in this broken world and it's frustrating and, and nothing is sound tries to reckon with that. And I think for, you know, for anybody who's going through a hard time, uh, anyone who's trying to, to reckon with all of, all of the evil and suffering in the world or in their own life, like nothing is sound is an album you can go to and you can find their, uh, empathy for your struggle. And, and yet your eyes can also be lifted upward at the same time. Uh, it, but in a way that's not at all shallow yep. or, or simple, but it been in a way that I think that makes you think, uh, but, but, but gives you hope at the same time. So that's my favorite album as well. So do you, I'm, do you I'm think agree the, with you on that. Do you think the maturity also holds true f- for the musical side of things as well? Do you think that's musically their most uh, robust or mature album? Or are you just like, talking about like it's, topically? It's very robust musically as well as topically. Um, I think, uh, topically it's, it's almost like hard to argue with that it, when, when you look at what, what topics it covers, but musically, I think you can make a case for a lot of albums, okay. but with that one, one thing I will say is as they've evolved and th- this gets into the, the question of evolution of the band, but I noticed that some of their albums kind of go back and forth between, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to do a rock song and now we're going to do like kind of a folk song or like kind of an acoustic, like kind of quiet song. We'll like, song. Yeah. We'll yeah, like, yeah. we'll like deal with like, you know, a really, a really heartwarming or heartbreaking idea. And then we'll do a rock song and it kind of, it's kind of back and forth. Whereas with nothing is sound, it to me, it just does not feel that way. It feels of a piece. It feels like a whole. And I like albums that feel that way. And also not every track is, um, just one thing where it's just like, Oh, this is just a loud rock song or this is just a twanging guitar, but it's actually, there's actually range within certain songs. Like, um, happy is a yuppie word is like that. There's a lot of range in that song, uh, to, to kind of take you from one place to another. It's like, it's almost like a story in that way. So I do think it does. It does have That's that aspect. Yeah. Do you have a favorite album? Sean? I do. I, I'd say vice versus is my mm-hmm. nice is my favorite album. And actually not necessarily for that reason you just described of the back and forth, but I actually do like 
the fact that there's some of the songs that are more like just like straight up rock songs and some that are more like, like I said, the heartstring (laughs) more sentimental ones or like, I mean, uh, vice versa is the, the title of the album. Very muted. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, when I hear that song, I think of like some Russian literature stuff, you know, like Dostoevsky. Don't we all, don't we all (laughs) as the other, these other nerdy topic we're going to introduce in the conversation. No, but I mean, tune like in next doubt. week. Yeah. I can't hold my own on Russian literature. So. No, I mean, I, <laughs> that's not in my notes. <laughs> yeah. uh, you need like four hundred more pages of notes. Right? So we're going to talk about that. No, but there's a there's a famous scene in the Brothers Karamazov where Ivan, the atheist brother, in the story, is talking about the problem of evil, essentially, and some other things too. But he's talking to his brother who believes in God, and I mean, there's some lines in that song, particularly on the bridge, I think. Where he's like, where is God in the genocide? Stuff like that. Where it's like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So it deals with some pretty heavy stuff. But there's, uh, I think, as this a thought that just struck me, one of the things that I, as I was listening to it today, doing some of my homework here, um, I noticed that there's a lot of talk of internal like wrestling and internal dialogue mm-hmm. in that album. Through uh, actually throughout many of the songs, especially the, the second, third, and fourth, I think. But then if you also musically have some songs that are like very passionate and intense and then some that are more laid back, it's almost a musical reflection of that, that theme. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, There's a lot of good stuff on that album. Yep. Yeah. They have a song called, uh, on that album, they have a song called Thrive. Yes. The main chorus is like, I want to thrive, not to survive. I I just forgot it. (laughs) The main chorus is, uh, it's very memorable. Right. I want to thrive, not just survive. Mm. And I think to me that really speaks a lot about Personally and selfishly, I'm going to talk about myself here. It's very easy for me to be very content with where I'm at in life. And that idea of how do I better myself? Yeah. How do I progress? And like an awareness of you of you needing to do that. Too. Exactly. Yeah. And an awareness of that. And not even just me personally, but how do I help somebody else grow? Yeah. How do I grow my community? How do I grow with my brothers and sisters in Christ? How do I grow with individuals who don't like switchfoot they're out there you know <laughs> it's like that song challenges me that <laughs> song challenges mm. me and, and i i agree with you vice versus is a it's a crazy album i mean he's talking about the duality of life mm-hmm. right life and death he's got that line yeah. in there where it's like uh i got my what is it you got your babies i got my hearses yep. like oof yeah oof what are you doing, John Foreman? <laughs> Taking me on an emotional roller coaster here. I also yeah. resonate a lot with that album because there's a lot of yearning in it. Mm. There's a lot of searching for home. They're searching for the kingdom of God, basically, like expecting the kingdom yeah. of God to come back into this world. And like, yeah, I mean, I won't get too deep into this right now, but I'm on definitely a, a theological journey of thinking more about like what does the redemption of the world mean. And kind of questioning some of the assumptions that we make about our eternal destination and our calling as creatures. Uh, and particularly in this idea of like when we die and the end times happen, are we going up into the sky or is God coming back here and we're going to be here with him yeah. in the new heavens and the new earth and making all things new. Yeah. And especially where I belong, that song is like, Ooh, oh, as yeah. I'm oh, thinking yeah. about these things, I'm reading a book by actually a professor at Northeastern J Richard Middleton, I believe his name is. And the name of the book is A New Heaven and a New Earth. As I was listening to that song, that was really resonating with me. There's a yearning for the kingdom of God. There's a yearning for finding home. And um, almost like the yearning for the kingdom of God as a resolution to the in- internal conflict that's been happening throughout the album. I think yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. And yeah. I think for anybody who may have like heard of Switchfoot but never really listened to it or may have been like, no, that's just what a youth group kid listens to. I'm not going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. I'd really challenge that person to start at the beginning and just find the time. Don't listen into your car's background music, but like find the time to start with the first album and go all the way to the end because there's a very, very cool progression with that band where the things they're talking about in the beginning and the things they're talking about in the end, you know, in the beginning they have a song um, off one of their earlier first albums called might've been her. Right. Yep. And growing up, I thought it was like 
B-E-E-N-H-E-R, right? And then I was like, oh, it's Ben-Hur. That's the pun. <laughs> and that's the pun, <laughs> right? But that was my, like, I had a really big crush on a girl in my youth group. And, like, she didn't like me back. And I'm like, I thought that it might have been her. <laughs> you know, it's very, like, personal problems. Yeah. And then once you make your way up to Vice Versus, and I think the albums after mm. that as well, they're talking about things on a much grander scale. Yeah. You know? And you're talking about life and death and you're talking about the resurrection where is god in the genocide genocide? (laughs) i mean come on like you're you're talking about questions of just that i think everybody wrestles whether you're a christian or not Mm -hmm. i I mean i think everybody's asked that question of where's god in the genocide you know yeah also a reason i like that album is because where belong if i'm not mistaken is their closing song for their concerts yep yeah um I actually got a awesome opportunity to um, actually, so they've been to Rochester yeah. f- a few times in the past years, but yeah. two that I know of and two that I've gone to and I actually got a chance to the Are first the time. Same concert? Most likely. I mean, we got yeah. Roberts. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Roberts, yeah. Oh, um, the, the first time that they came through, they, he did an after show. John did an after show and I was there for that. And that was, that was super cool. But then also um, this past time, he didn't end up doing he didn't end up doing a an after show, but he did come out. We were all kind of hanging around, waiting to see if he was going to do it. And he came out, and um, he actually just talked to a bunch of us, and it was really cool. Yeah. But he mentioned that, and I just thought it was like, oh, this is great. This feels like a good ending to this concert. But I'm pretty sure that's like a song that like they wrote yeah. however many years ago, and they're like, yeah. all right, we're just we're still ending concerts yeah. with the song. It's so yeah. good. I, I've heard them say that like that is the last song they want to sing. You know, right. like the when anthem song yeah. when they're done, they're like, "This is what we want to sing," and it's such the woes great. too. You know, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> the what now? The woes. The woes. <laughs> Beach Boy cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This episode will end with some acapella switch. <laughs> no. So, I mean, Sean, as you were talking about Vice Versus, I was kind of rethinking about that album, and I'm th- like, "Why it's the best album? Why it's a good album? <laughs> it's not the best album, but it's it's such a switchfoot album. It's an album that." I think like gets at their heart in many ways. Well, mm. like you talked about with like where I belong and stuff like that. Uh, and with the, the yearning, the longing that I think you hear in, in a lot of the rest of their work as well. And, and the range that you see on the album and stuff like that. It feels very much of a piece with the rest of their work up to that point. And to me, it feels like, like if that was the last album, that would be okay. Like, Interesting. like it's yeah. like they had like a good thing going there, but they didn't stop. They kept going. Thankfully. And my question for you guys is, how have things been since then? Have you enjoyed uh, their their last few albums, and why or why not? I love that question. I'm a big fan of that. Good question. Thank you. Um, Okay, so this is a great time to break out something that I want to break out. The notes. Um, They have eleven albums right now, minus all of the like deluxe albums and EP stuff and John Foreman stuff and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, I've broken out their albums into categories. Okay. So the first three albums, uh, Legend of Chin, The Way to Be Human, and Learning to Breathe. I call that the original trilogy. All right. All right. I'm a Star Wars nerd. What are you going to (laughs) do? Yes. All right. The next section, Beautiful Let Down, Nothing is Sound, and No Gravity. I call that the golden age of Switchfoot. Right. Because... That's when we're mm-hmm. talking about they're getting out of their kind of like lo-fi indie stuff. They're getting into some more hard rock grunge stuff. And like we talked a lot about why um, Nothing is Sound was such a great album. Yeah. O'Gravity was really cool for me because O'Gravity kind of switched it again. They they do such a great job of leaving you on a cliffhanger. Yeah, right? It's a and weird like, album too. It's so yeah. fun. It's, it's bonkers. fun. It's great. And and they basically like for me when I broke it down like this, right? And I'm like, okay, this is the golden age of Switchfoot. I feel like that album is the end of a chapter with a we're coming out with another book after this. Yeah. You know, and it was just such a great transition. I'm loving all these textual analogies here. <laughs> so after that, all right. <laughs> so after that we get into a uh, time period, if you will, that I call the Switchfoot. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> don't give me that face. <laughs> so, okay. So Switchfoot got its name from a surfing term, which yes. is called Switchfoot, which 
if there are I never any, thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> where did this come Right. From? Where did it come from? If there are any like, surfers listening to this, like I you, apologize. You surf, kind of like riding Goofy and snowboarding or something like that. Is that the idea? I basically understood it as you're ambidextrous with your feet. Gotcha. Okay. You know, so like if you are like stronger with your right leg, you can surf that way, but you can also switch your foot. Gotcha. And go to your left leg and et cetera and so forth. It's a good band name. Um, I know they should think about that, right? But is it a good name for an era of the band? It is. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to tell you exactly why right now, because that was a big change lyrically and musically for them. Yeah. Okay. So the switch foot era, that is hello hurricane, hurricane vice versus, and I'm including fading West in that fading West was a very interesting thing by itself. Yeah. Um, they do a documentary with that too yeah yeah Is that the only Basically, album that they did that with or it was no? kind of like a soundtrack based off of a documentary that okay. they did and then after that <laughs> i have a very lovely uh term for the era they're in right now which is retirement wow and i don't mean that negatively at all to how this relates all back to your question yeah i am 100 percent with you that they could have stopped after vice versus mm-hmm. i think that would have been a great ending point for them but I'm kind of glad that they kept going. Yeah. So I'm going to hop over fading West for a second. Cause that's very individual. It's own thing. It's probably a good one to hop over. Um, where the light, <laughs> where, yeah, where the light shines through the first couple of times I listened to it, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And it was tough for me as a Switchfoot fan to be like, I don't like a Switchfoot album. And they kind of built up that album a lot, right? It was like, it's their 10th album and they went back and they worked with the same producer that they did with uh, the beautiful Beautiful letdown. Letdown. And it was kind of this, like it was supposed to be like this return to form. I would think for a fan, that would be like a big deal. Like we're getting back to that time. Yeah. Uh, The golden age. age, In fact. Yeah. Right. But you didn't Um, like it. Not at first. I I really didn't. And it was it was tough for me because I was like, I feel like I'm seeing my favorite band just like wither away into nothing, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't want their last albums to be bad. Nobody wants it to be bad. And mm-hmm. so for me, Where the Light Shines Through became extremely and extraordinarily relevant in my life years after the album came out. Mm-hmm. My notes say the album came out in 2016. And for me that album became so important 2018 and then last year, 2019. Yeah. So for me, like I was going through a ton of medical issues mm. and there was so much uncertainty in my life of what my life was going to be like after I made it through those, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be like a life or death sort of thing, but like, I didn't know what my daily life was going to be like Yeah. to this day where the light shines through contains the only Switchfoot song that I still cry every time it comes on. I think that that's really important, you know? And I was thinking about this album the entire time when you were saying, like, you can always go back to Switchfoot. You know, this album is still relatively new, I would say, but I can still go back to that album. And the song is I Won't Let You Go. go. Yeah, like you knew it was coming up, right? And... It's so funny because I'll be driving along and it'll like just hop up on a playlist or something. And I'll be driving and be like, dang it, I wasn't planning on crying on my work commute. <laughs> but I think all the songs yeah. in there, I mean, Where the Light Shines Through, the song, I Won't Let You Go, um, The Day That I Found God. I mean, I would love to sit down with John Foreman and say, tell me about the story behind this song. Because that yeah. entire song is like, I found strength and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I found peace in a place I never thought I would. The day I lost myself is the day that I found God. And I'm like, holy banana peels. That is powerful stuff. Yeah. I'd love to be able to like get the opportunity to sit down to them. So cool. to answer your question, I'm so happy they kept making music and it might be selfish for me because it had a lot of personal meaning to me. Yeah. Um, but I also think if you were to go up to them, and say your song meant nothing to 99.99% of people, but changed the world of one person. They would say it was worth every penny Mm -hmm. 
and mm -hmm. every second and hour we put into making it. Yeah. So Sean, were were the the most recent albums of Switch, but the ones that Dan calls retirement. <laughs> uh, you know, how was that for you? I've listened to where the light shines. Where the light shines in, right? Through where the through, light okay. shines. Okay, I've listened through. to a little bit, but I have not listened to it extensively. Mm -hmm. um, I listened to uh, Native Tongue a lot more recently. Mm -hmm. And you know, Which I, I haven't at all. So I'm curious about your opinion. You on haven't that. listened to it. I've, I've listened to it like maybe okay. once or twice. But okay. Prep for the concert. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I, it's a very different sound. Um, but I, mm. there was a, it's hard for me to make a larger like statement. Like, yes, kind of like what he was saying. Okay. Now I'm guilty of it. I don't know if I can like make a judgment about the particular album as a whole. I think there is a lot of songs in there that I, really enjoyed um yeah. especially because like when i was listening to it too i was like listening to it during the summer and i was like when i was riding my motorcycle so like <laughs> there's that that element to it as well yeah. um and it was kind of a surprise album in a way right like they yeah. were coming off of a hiatus where they were you know spending some more time with their family mm. and then they're like we got a new album and you're like and it's got Whoa. a lot of tracks on it too right yeah it's like 15 or 16 or something right yeah it looks like 14 tracks okay native tongue is that what we're talking about yeah yeah native tongue yeah yeah how about you nate I didn't love Native Tongue. It's probably one of their lesser albums. There are some songs that I really like. Um, Dig New Streams is really interesting. Uh, Take My Fire is a great song to rock out to. There's good stuff on there, um, but as a whole, I just feel like it's not an album that I want to return to a lot. Um, Where the Light Shines Through, kind of like Dan, it's definitely grown on me. Um, I, I think it's a, a good album overall. I don't think it's as cohesive as some of their earlier work, but there are songs that I would just pull out and listen to that, that I really love. Um, so I think it's like they're doing good stuff. It's not all great. Um, but like you guys said, like there, there is something about it where it's this band that, that meant a lot to me as a teenager. And it's, it's cool that they're still going and like mm -hmm. that I can still go to a Switchfoot concert yeah. and that it's still good. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. it's, it's not bad. It's like they've, they've changed some stuff and, but they still play a lot of old songs and, mm -hmm. and some new songs and they mix stuff up and they, they, uh, you know, will let the audience pick songs yeah. and they'll, they'll throw songs to each other and say, Hey, let's do this one. And, and they have this incredible, you know, back catalog of music and they're still willing to play a bunch of it. So it's, it just kind of feels like they're still here. Like they yeah. haven't, they haven't gone away. They're still trying. They're still doing stuff. And then on top of that, um, you know, Dan, at one point you mentioned John Foreman's solo work. That's some of the best stuff. I mean, the the solo work that John's done is truly incredible. And to the extent that I feel like some of the recent Switchfoot stuff has not been as deep as as their early work, um, that depth is definitely found in in his solo albums. And so I don't feel like in any way they've lost their talent. I just feel like they've made different choices. Mm -hmm. But the yeah. talent is still there, and that, and the heart is still there, um, and there, there is something encouraging about that. Yeah. They change as people. Yeah, and I think when you change as a person, you change as an artist, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when they were starting off in the late '90s, they weren't married with kids. Right, <laughs> they were a bunch of college dropouts who wanted to make rock and roll. Right, yeah, um, who also happened to be Christians. And now, you know, you make a song, you make a. Uh, an album like Native Tongue, and you get a bunch of guys who are married with multiple children who have gone through a lot of life. Yeah. Their songs are going to be different. Their styles are going to be different. I think, you know, Nate, what you were saying earlier about how they have some albums where they kind of flip-flop a little bit. Yeah. Between rock and roll and then, like, I forgot what the term you used. Heartstrings. Heartstrings, we'll yeah. We'll that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, heartstrings. <laughs> Uh, the first couple times I've listened through Native Tongue, I got that vibe, yeah. and they have a couple of really great rock songs on it, which are great individually, but almost felt like it was just kind of thrown in there to appease us a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now the show that I went to at Roberts back in the fall, mm -hmm. I actually got side stage passes. Oh, <laughs> he's <laughs> taking notes. I'm the true <laughs> fan. Um, as a live show, incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was They're amazing performance. It was just face melting 
right? <laughs> when they play some of these rock songs, like it's just, I had no voice. And after they finished this set, you know, they're walking off and they all came by and they gave me a high five and John Foreman gave me a hug. And uh, Drew Shirley looked at me and he gave me this high five. He takes my shoulder and he's like, how was it? I don't have any words. I mean, for me, it was like meeting my heroes. So it was just like, yeah. I'm the day to die. You know, like, <laughs> just like, um, and I was just like, I was at a loss for words because still they're incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, my very first Switchfoot show, I was telling Nate earlier, was 2008. They came to Roberts Wesleyan in 2008. Oh, cool. And that right, was my first right concert. after the golden era, I might add. Right after, <laughs> right? Why do I feel like that's gonna haunt me a little bit? Uh, it's a golden age, first of all. It's the golden right. age, the golden um, epoch. How's that? <laughs> there it is. Um, that was the first concert I ever went to in my entire life. It was a Switchfoot concert. Uh, that's why he's a Switchfoot fan. Yeah. There it is, right yeah. there, ladies and gentlemen. Right, and I, you know, you think about it, it's like the first CD I bought. Mm-hmm. They got me into music. It's the first concert I ever went to. And to this day, I have the same excitement and enjoyment yeah. now at 28, you know, as I did when I was a little high schooler. And I bet yeah. he sincerely meant that question to you when he asked it. Like, there's a degree to which they care yeah. about your experience of their art. Like, yeah. hey, was it good? Did we do okay? Right? Yeah. To me, that's a, a sign of like a true artistic motivation yeah. and artistic integrity. It's like, okay, we... um we care about, especially in the medium of music, if you're performing and you're writing music for people to listen to, you want to write stuff that's going to resonate with people and like people yeah. are going to look at it and say, like, this is excellent. Yeah. Just throw well, on the forefront word there. Our, but yeah, yeah. I, I imagine he meant that in the moment. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. There it is. I was waiting for when that was going to come out. Well, it's like the the artist is there. They, they themselves are their biggest critic. Yeah. Right? The person who makes the poster or the painting or the song or writes the book or makes the poem, whatever, like they are their biggest critic. So really at the end of the day, I think they're very genuine because they are their biggest critic. I think I'm probably their second biggest critic. (laughs) You heard it here today on the podcast. (laughs) Um, They're not listening. So before we close, I do want to bring in this, this question of, faith and art, because this is a podcast at the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. And we've talked a little bit about how, you know, Switchfoot is more than just a band that, uh, that youth group can listen to, but it's actually a band that, that there's, there's something more to it than that. And, um, I think Switchfoot is kind of the, the quintessential band made up of Christians who has broken out into the mainstream and where people have, have talked about, you know, is this a Christian band? Is this a band that plays in kind of the, the Christian music genre? Or is this, or is this just, a, just a rock band? And they, they happen to have some, some faith thrown in. And, actually, quick to that point, I remember yeah. like growing up watching a football game. And, you know, like they have like the outro or intro music mm. to go into the ads or coming back in yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There was a Switchfoot song that like CBS yeah. was right. playing. It was like Dark Horses or something like that. Yeah. Or it was like one of their oh, montages yeah. Yeah. for like yeah. the highlights of the half or something. Yeah, I think, they were I, just I think like I've regular, heard that too, yeah. Yep, they're like the big network was playing their, playing their stuff. Yeah, it really has broken out into the mainstream. I remember watching a, a Warren Miller movie, which is uh, these crazy ski movies that... Oh, yeah. that that Warren Miller makes every year and they had dare you to move was, was one of the songs in there. And it's like, that's, that's a song that just, it's, it's just gone everywhere. Right. It's like, you you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to have any, any background in the church to, to know and love that song. Cause it's just, it's just gone so far. Um, so when you guys think about that, just, just the fact that, you know, Switchfoot is a band that is kind of has one foot in these different genres and is is living out their faith um, in a way that isn't just making a kind of Christian music, but that is is making music that is enjoyed by all kinds of people and yet is still still making songs like "The Day I Found God" um, that that has this explicit nature of, of Christianity to it. How do you guys think about that? I'll, I'll jump in here first. I think going back to the time that I actually recently got to talk with him in that group of people, um, it was kind of funny because everybody's like, Hey John, like I'm trying to start a band. Like, how do I do it? And I'm like, guys, we have like one of the most 
creative prolific songwriters right in front of us like we need to like dig into his brain come on and so i was asking him some of those kinds of questions and one of the questions that i asked him was like i don't remember exactly how i worded it but basically it was like what is a who is somebody that has challenged you artistically and like made you reconsider some things you had taken for granted or whatever and he briefly talked about them and he'd like that was a springboard into these other things and the underlying thing that i got from his response is that he was paying attention to music today and like i was saying to you before he obviously has been paying attention to the the previous historical trajectory of it as it's led up to this moment Mm. but like he was paying attention he's like he mentioned john bellion he's so excited Mm. about like what john Mm. bellion is doing his creativity his style um, his capability. So like he mentioned that and he mentioned a few other artists, but like I got the sense that there was an artistic integrity, like I was talking about before yeah. where he's like, okay, what's the development? What are people interested in hearing? How can I like offer a creative version of that? Like, and, and all the other facets of um, caring about the arts as people experience them. So I thought that's a really cool, like glimpse into his perspective and how he's like, I'm always updating my thoughts. I'm always like looking for other sources of inspiration and like learning and wisdom from other artists. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. And then the way I've seen that paired with their artistry, just in terms of like the deep motivations behind what they're doing. I think a lot of artists um, have a, unfortunately a lot of artists in the mainstream have this shallow idea of their platform and influence. And they say, I'm going to, you know, I've got a voice, so I might as well use it to talk about X, Y, or Z. And, you know, obviously that's a very legitimate thing, but a lot of times it almost doesn't feel like it resides in flesh and blood maybe. Mm-hmm. And when I hear them talking it's and singing and making and hear the music that they're making, I always get the sense that they are doing everything that they can to bring love and light into the world. And as like uncliche of a way as possible to communicate. Yeah. Um, and that hope deserves an anthem is something that they yeah. say. Yeah. And there's like a genuineness to that. And so I think that's really cool. And obviously that I think that's derived from the faith that they have Mm -hmm. and the, and the understanding that they have access to life and love through their relationship with Christ and an understanding of the the Christian story of the gospel. So yeah, I love how those things kind of pair together. Absolutely. I think what's kind of cool is that they probably would have started at the same time that you had big names like Steven and Curtis Chapman, Chris Tomlin. Yeah. James Taylor. <laughs> um, Maybe not exactly. But yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the music scene at that time when they were getting started was very rebellious, mm. right? Kind of a out with the old and with the new. And I think that they recognized a very, young age right when they were starting off that while there's nothing bad about Chris Tomlin's music or Stephen Curtis Chapman, it can be a little bit polarizing, Hmm. right? While those songs can worship God and while those songs are beautiful, there's a lot of people who aren't going to relate to those songs where they are in life. Hmm. And I really think after listening to Switchfoot for so long, after meeting the guys, right at the beginning, they built a foundation to say, we don't want our music to be polarizing. We want everybody to be able to enjoy our music. That is a ridiculously hard thing to accomplish. Yeah, and especially to do that without making it lowest common denominator music. Yeah. Right? Like everybody's going to yeah. enjoy it in the sense that there's nothing to be offended at. And it's not in that way, right. right? It's, it's music that deals with a lot of topics and is actually kind of offensive to the self in the way that it challenges you. Mm-hmm. And yet all kinds of people listen to it. So how do they do that? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that they ever really thought of themselves as like evangelists. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever really thought of themselves as we're going to pretend to be normal and then trick people into being <laughs> Christians, you know, which I feel like a lot of bands at that time yeah. kind of took that approach. That seems like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they just, they were genuine. I mean, yeah. it, I hate having such a simple answer to that question, but that's really it for me. You know, their, their morals and 
their idea of what mankind can be, those are in Christianity as a religion and a faith, but those exist outside of Christianity as well. And I think that they just wanted to live that, you know, Mm. and they've never been shy of saying we are Christians and they've never been shy of talking about it. And John, you know, went on to do, like you said, some incredible solo stuff where he really uh, dives deep into his faith and some of those questions. But, you know, I think as the the Switchfoot entity, they just said, we're going to sing about the song. We're going to sing about the questions that everybody's asking and everybody's struggling with, whether you're a Christian or not. And, if you like it, that's awesome, you know? And I think that they really focused on just building a relationship with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually thinking a little bit about that this morning in church, um, you know, because there was this message of how Jesus is kind of bringing everybody together. You know, mm-hmm. he's bringing all these Jews and Gentiles and polar opposite yeah. people, and they're rich all coming together and rich and poor and, I'm not trying to say that like Switchfoot is Jesus or John Forbes is Jesus or anything. Cause I don't want to get imitating Christ. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't right? want to get like struck by a lightning bolt. Christ like, um, yes. yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's Christ like, you know, they said, yeah. we really want to bring everybody together. And you know, if you were that person who has kind of thrown Switchfoot away as just like a Christian band pretending to be a secular band, I'd really challenge you to go back and listen to it because like you said, right at the very beginning of the show, you can always go back to Switchwood. You know, there's always stuff that's still relevant. Indeed. Well, I hope this podcast has been fun for you all, whether you're a Switchfoot fan or not. I hope, uh, like Dan said, you you pick up some Switchfoot albums, listen to them again. Or uh, now that we're in the modern era, you can just look them up on Spotify and access all of them. So it's even easier than ever to do that. Hope that you do. Uh, please leave in the comments on your favorite social media platform what uh, what you think of Switchfoot. And if you don't like Switchfoot, tell us why. Tell us what your favorite band is, uh, how they've they've been impactful to you. And if you're John Foreman, come on the podcast. And if you're John Foreman, <laughs> you're welcome to come on the podcast. For you, we will do another Switchfoot episode. <laughs> I don't. And I don't want to get yelled at about. And we'll show you the eras. Let's see (laughs) see if you agree with the the eras Dan has laid out. Once he hears he's in retirement, he's going to be so mad. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's going to be like, I can can surf more now. That's probably what he's going to say. (laughs) Foreman goes off and fades west. All right. So if you like this podcast, we would be honored if you would leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. We do request five stars. Um, that's, that's our favorite rating, but, uh, but certainly, you know, totally up to you. And we want to thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. And until then keep pursuing excellent art and authentic faith.